Today, we have got Michael Wagner from Star Atlas with us. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this game that's being developed. And yeah, Michael, do you want to kind of take it away real quick and give us a little explanation about what's going on? <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, guys. Uh, let me be the first to welcome you into the metaverse that is Star Atlas. So uh, what we're building is really um, a space-themed video game concept, MMO, um, and metaverse combined. And it centers around the ideas of space exploration, territory control, political domination, all wrapped in this grand strategy, AAA-rated uh, video game title. Um, you know, quick note on that, we'll be building out the game in Unreal Engine, currently focused on UE4, but we'll be building in UE5 when that becomes available. Uh, UE5 unlocks some amazing potential from uh, graphical fidelity, lighting, sound quality. Um, you know, it's really going to make this gaming experience feel very much like real life. Uh, cinematic quality graphical components, which will be accessible both in, uh, you know, from desktop, from your, from your computer, but also in VR. Uh, now we are coupling the video game model itself with a number of blockchain mechanics uh, that enhance the experience and also create a play to earn model. Uh, so things such as NFT ownership of every one of the underlying assets that exists within the metaverse. So your ships, your crew, components, uh, virtual land, uh, you know, real estate, buildings and structures that you place on that land virtually every identi identifiable asset that will exist within the metaverse is something that a player can own and control. Um, now we have a, a dual token ecosystem in Star Atlas. Uh, we have Atlas, which is the transactional currency of the metaverse, uh, you know, effectively the lubricant of the economy. And it is, uh, it, it is what players would use for any kind of operating expense in the game. So think of it as kind of in-game gold, but things like repairing your ship or refueling your ship or upgrading items or assets that you currently have, as well as being the asset that uh, largely gets distributed as part of the reward mechanism to players for actually playing the game. Uh, now, next to that, we have Polis, which is our take on a governance token. And uh, Polis, Polis itself is dual purpose. Uh, within the game metaverse, players will be able to use this for the political domination strategy component, which is to say that owning a, or controlling a region of space allows these players to have um, access to certain rights, like being able to impose taxes on other players, for example, and otherwise setting rules, laws, fines, fees for various activities that take place in the microeconomy that is controlled by this political region. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah. Um, and then, and so we really see this being utilized more heavily within our clan system, which is called uh, Decentralized Autonomous Corporations or DACs within Star Atlas. But, uh, you know, one individual player is not going to be able to considerably control um, that much space, but a, a clan in its entirety can. Um, and they could even use that as a rec recruiting tool wherein, you know, perhaps they, they, they have the political influence over a region where land is available for purchase, but there's a tax rate associated with it imposed by, by the polis holder. Or if they join the clan, then the tax rate is waived, something like that, right? Um, so it, it could be used quite heavily for clan recruitment. <clears throat> External to, uh, to the game, Polis is more of a DAO governance token, wherein the, the holders will actually have the ability to influence long-term development decision-making processes. So things such as what is, you know, any, any impact or alterations or changes to the game economy, for one, 
um, um, also being able to influence things like asset release schedules or you know, requesting the next asset to be released, uh, as well as additional components of feature development. Um, anyone that is holding the governance token will have abilities to vote on uh, the decision-making that we conduct internally as a game development company. Um, and then on top of that, we also have DeFi integrated directly into the, into the game. Uh, now we are building on Solana as our layer one protocol. Um, there are a number of reasons for making that selection, but um, we're building on Solana. And as a result, we have direct access to the infrastructure that is being built um, at Serum. And so all of our DeFi protocols live on Serum DEX and uh, effectively allow the players to participate in all of those other activities that they could do in DeFi except in a, in a real game model, as opposed to more of a game theory model that is DeFi today. So, you know, participating in AMMs and LPs. And uh, one feature that I think is really compelling is uh, le this lending pool concept, wherein assets that you possess um, that aren't in use, you can contribute to a lending pool. Other players can borrow those or rent those from you. Uh, they will then have the option to go earn income in the game um, and the holder of the asset collects residual income on, on you know, a, an asset that isn't in use. So creating very much a sharing economy within the metaverse through the lending pool concept. And then um, you know, to, to try to keep this a little short, we perhaps can get into it later, but the long-term vision of the metaverse is really this perpetual, persistent, uh, fully functional economy that exists within the game universe, but opens up optionality to individuals and industrious entrepreneurs to go out and um, create opportunities for themselves. So not necessarily the mechanics or framework that we create, but rather being uh, innovative in creating concepts themselves and having that player created content live within the Star Atlas metaverse as well. Okay, so there, there is the ability for people to kind of build stuff themselves, sort of like in Decentraland? Not initially, right? So, you know, this, this is a very ambitious project and it's also a very long life cycle um, project. So that's what it appears like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't want to come out over promising that we're going to enable player created content initially. Uh, we have a very good handle over all of the production requirements to bring a title like this to life. And so, you know, for us, it's important that we actually deliver on a polished final vision that we, that, that is playable by everybody. Now at that point, and this might be, you know, two years down the line, three years down the line, four years down the line, uh, these, uh, people then will be able to go in and modify um, and, and mold the metaverse to a more enjoyable experience for themselves. But, you know, to me, the metaverse is not really just about, um, it, or the game is not just about the, the playable experiences that we create. Um, the metaverse is really about forming uh, uh, community and socializing and engaging in activity, whether it be virtual or real world, engaging in activity that is just enjoyable to you and it doesn't have to be our gameplay. So we are driving in that direction. I actually have a question about that. Um, kind of speaking to how, how do you see this game being balanced in terms of see uh, filling a financial need versus filling an entertainment need or feeling a need for social engagement? Um, can you speak a little bit to like maybe the player experience? Like what, what does it look like if you're approaching it from a financial standpoint? Are you like renting land from somebody else, but you have some kind of strategy to make money off of that, but you're also enjoying being on a space station, you know, can you, can you speak a little bit, I guess, to like what the user experience is like? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question. And 
maybe maybe not from the user perspective directly, but from the development company perspective, what is most critical to us is delivering an enjoyable gameplay experience. So a lot of our energy, a lot of our focus is on making sure that we're creating a product that people will want to be engaged with, regardless of the financial incentives. Um, we think we have a significant advantage given our expertise in blockchain in being able to integrate you know, these financial uh, reward mechanisms into the game. But if it's not fun to play, it, it's just another job. Right. And so, you know, what we're trying to create is something that's both fun and financially rewarding uh, and opens up a world of opportunity to people that want to engage in the game. Excellent. And is that something that's kind of a tough moving target? Because, you know, you were talking earlier about Unreal Engine and trying to make sure you're working with the latest edition. And it's in the same regard, uh, just as technology and graphics of video games are improving so quickly now. You also are having like the massive, ridiculous growth happening in DeFi and cryptocurrency. So is that like a harder target to stay on point with because of those two moving angles? Or do you guys have a way to kind of keep those both in check? We have specialists in every one of our departments for each one of the features that we're in integrating into the game. So, you know, it is important for us, especially I, I, I would say the pace of development within uh, the gaming community is, is fast but it's not crypto fast. You know, something that's, that's hot and attractive today could be, um, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that everybody ignores tomorrow. So um, we're very apt at staying up to speed with crypto developments. Um, my you know, personal background has been being in the space since 2013 and literally following every move since I got involved in the space um, and every evolution of the industry and going full-time into it in 2015. So, you know, I guess the only way I can really respond to that is to say we have um, subject matter experts in each one of the feature areas uh, of the game concept. And yes, it's important for us to stay at the leading edge of all of these things. Now, to some extent, um, uh, it, it, the selection of technology does restrict your ability to change in the future. You know, so us building on Unreal, the, the selection of Unreal Engine, for example, that is essentially a foundational piece that would be impossible to alter at some point in the future. I get you completely there. I, that was another question I had is the network specifically. Um, it, it, does that also kind of factor into the choice? Because I could imagine if you're trying to create a dynamic game where you might be making a lot of interactions with, I suppose, the code or the, the currencies being used, I can imagine building something like this on Ethereum getting really expensive really fast, just, just when you consider gas fees and so forth. So is that a big reason for why you chose the network that you built this on? Or can you speak a little bit to that? 100%. Yeah. The, I mean, first and foremost, building out a fully immersive 3D world um, on Ethereum just wouldn't technically be, be feasible just because of the transaction throughput of, that, of the network, not even accounting for the, you know, the, the current exorbitant fees uh, that exists on Ethereum. Now, obviously, if scaling solutions come along and improve that situation, then maybe it would be an option, but um, it's not an option for us now. And beyond that, we have several reasons why Solana was our protocol of choice. Now, uh, from, from the tech standpoint, Solana is greater than 50,000 transactions per second presently. Um, it has sub-second finality. Uh, it's 400 milliseconds on average um, for state changes, which you know, once again, if you're building out a video game and if you're a gamer, you know, like your biggest enemy is lag. You know, nothing will get you killed faster in a game than lagging out at the worst time. So uh, low latency was important. And then transaction costs right now 
are you know the relatively fixed at one one hundredth of a, a penny per transaction. So um, it's scalable on a on an expense um, line item as well. Uh, in addition to that, these guys come from high pedigree backgrounds in technology, working at companies like Qualcomm, where they were literally uh, building out the the hardware that. Uh, um, facilitated parallelization and scalability. And so they know how to develop a scalable ecosystem. Um, in fact, the ecosystem, as it expands, actually, you know, the transaction throughput increases. So uh, that will help us with, as their network grows, the ability of our game adoption also grows. Um, but beyond that, the, the amount of innovation that's taking place on, on Solana right now is very impressive. Uh, we started talking to them in October of last year. It almost feels like they were a no-name like uh, protocol at that time. Uh, given where they're at today, uh, there were maybe 25 to 30 projects building on Solana at the time, and today it's well over 125. And I think every week, you know, I, I see another five or 10 projects popping up. So it's great to see the innovation, and it leads to a lot of partnership opportunities. And then, um, you know, the last piece for us that was. Uh, pretty critical in decision-making was just the, the rest of the affiliations uh, that they had. And so, you know, seeing the buy-in from FTX uh, and Alameda Research through Serum, uh, determining that they want to deploy their DeFi solutions on Solana, went a long way to, for us uh, in making that decision and then having access to those as partners. Um, and in fact, you know, FTX, Serum were the lead investor in Star Atlas. So, there were yeah, so many reasons that, that led us down this path. And um, to be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm extremely elated that we did select them because it's been a fantastic experience. Excellent. And are there any gaming companies you guys work with that uh, our viewers might recognize or know, like any big gaming people that are helping out as partners or advisors on the project? Uh, well, our chief product officer has about two decades of experience in AAA game development. His name's Danny Floyd. Uh, I can't, you know, everybody kind of heads up their department. I can't speak to the, the if you go to the people uh, page, actually, you'll, you'll see our full team uh, currently. We had, uh, we, we had just the four co-founders in December and then following the seed round and our formal announcement, we've currently scaled the entire team to over 55 people. Uh, much of that is on the art and design side. And Danny Floyd was the one that led all of the um, hiring efforts with the design team. So we're focused largely on concept artists today because that's what's leading to a lot of the content that needs to be created for things like NFT sales. Um, but we are in a fortunate position in that all of the art that we're building today will be usable and applicable in the Unreal Engine version of the game. So it's not wasted effort, um, so to speak. Now, you know, beyond that, we don't have any outside advisors that, are, that work in game development though. Um, we do have one that we're potentially bringing on that was actually involved in the uh, Roblox IPO. So we think that they could be a great advisor for us. But yeah, no, no notable game development companies that we're directly partnered with. No, that was very helpful. And um, I would also imagine, because what you guys are developing, I mean, I've heard of different, you know, games, DeFi type games and so forth on Binance, but they're not nearly to this level of complexity. So mm -hmm. I was just curious what other help you guys would have with your team and, and working on stuff like that, because um, my next question was going to be about security, uh, you know, working with these, you know, elements 
related to blockchain, but also just the inherent need for security on anything that's going to be massive multiplayer or going to involve users in a video game virtual setting. Uh, what does it look like creating a secure environment in something that to me seems really brand new and just a new, completely new space? Uh, yeah, I mean, there and there are so many different attack vectors for this game, whether it's, you know, backend DevOps versus smart contracts uh, and even player security, right? Making sure that we help educate people on how to protect their assets and not get scammed. Um, <clears throat> from from the backend perspective, um, I will note that uh, this is my second company in the blockchain space. One of the spinoff companies that we had from my, my first company, uh, Multi-Chain Ventures, which started as Tokes and was a crypto and cannabis play. One of the spinoffs from that is a company called uh, Rally Cloud. And the entire focus of that company was backend management, DevOps, um, and, and uh, systems engineering. And so we have a really solid understanding and comprehension of how to develop out scalable and protected secure infrastructure. Um, we also work with a great security firm to uh, audit all of our uh, web 2.0 applications. And then on the, on the smart contract side, of course, we'll be going through some of the bigger name auditors, but we have also been building out dApps and smart contracts within crypto over the last four years. Um, and then we have the full support of the Solana dev team, as well as the Serum dev team to help us review any implementations or any smart contracts that we create. Uh, and then on the last piece, again, it's just us helping to educate the community, especially a gamer community who may have no familiarity with crypto whatsoever, uh, the, the complete neophytes, um, making sure that they understand how to secure their wallets. And we, we do that through UI and UX elements. Now, do you have any experience building games or anything like that? Or is this kind of your first foray into that? I, I personally don't have any experience building games, but I have about uh, 25 years of experience playing games for whatever that's worth. Um, <laughs> in fact, um, a story I, I kind of like to share is, uh, so I grew up my formative years in the 90s, you know, when the internet was really just coming out. And uh, back in those days, broadband uh, internet was not widely available. So we had this group of just computer nerds, for lack of a better word, we called ourselves the Lanarchists. Um, and in those days, you had to go to LAN parties, local area network parties. That was the only way that you could really engage in um, PVP or multiplayer gameplay. And so that was how we spent pretty much every weekend was bringing our CRT monitors and towers over to somebody's house, drinking Mountain Dew all night and staying up and playing games the entire weekend. But it's, it's kind of in my blood. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't have necessarily experience developing out games, but I do have uh, a considerable amount of experience managing teams and launching companies and making sure that we can execute on our objectives. So was it your idea to create Star Atlas then? And like, have you been one of the main people developing the story? Um, yeah, so I brought the idea of a blockchain game um, to my team. Danny and I flushed this out into, you know, largely Danny and I flushed this out to where it's at today, or at least through the white paper stage. Um, but the reality now is this, this thing's taken a life of its own on. And especially having scaled up and having all of these multiple departments, there, there's so much innovation coming from everybody on the team and, and ideation and, and uh, concept generation and people that are just contributing and genuinely um, really excited about working on this project. So the original concept did come through uh, Danny and myself and, and then it's, you know, as I said, taken a life of its own on since then. 
so you have like a team of storyboarders kind of at this point probably are you are you referring to like the game lore yeah the lore and then kind of you know the mechanics of how things are going to be working um you know i I saw that there was going to be like a large amount of different roles that you could choose or like team members in your clan possibly so i guess all that kind of stuff like how you decided because i I guess that in that way it's kind of like dungeons and dragons where you get to kind of decide you know one of 20 different character types or something like that right yeah just coming up with all the lore and the way that things are going to function yeah um two different two different categories like from the lore standpoint we haven't really been able to uh, uh, you know dedicate a significant amount of time to developing out the actual lore i will say that uh, we have a major milestone an event coming up on April 24th, and it's the launch of our very first NFT collection. This is pure digital art, um, not necessarily playable game assets, though you'll be able to view and display these assets in-game. Um, and we're, we're calling this Rebirth, the genesis of the metaverse. And through, uh, through the course of this program, which runs for 14 weeks, each week a new meta poster gets unveiled. And part of the meta poster is uh, augmented reality um, enhancements that create animations and kind of this fully immersive 3D display of the poster. Uh, We're pairing it with audio tracks from mainstream musical talent. Um, And then there's also these uh, reward tiers that you can reach by owning multiple pieces of art as as the series progresses. Part of the poster series is to unveil the lore actually the creation of Star Atlas and how we got to where we are uh, within the Star Atlas metaverse at, um, over time. So each week, part of that lore will be will be released and revealed to the public. Beyond that, we're we're actually going to be engaging with um, like uh, award-winning sci-fi novelists to help us create and curate the the lore of the game. But this is that's a process that can take place over you know a year plus as we continue to refine out the fully immersive version of the game. There will be some lore components embedded in our mini game, which we're launching on July 24th, but um, uh, we still have time on that, I would say. Now, with respect to the game mechanics, which you were referring to with careers um, and and things of that nature, the mechanics are all um, finalized uh, from our standpoint, at least to a a pretty solid state. So uh, all of the game mechanics have been worked out through our pre-production process and planning process. What uh, role does governance going to play in the development of the game and how much control will the community have in the future of Star Atlas? Yeah, so this ties in back into uh, Polis, the token, right? In in the near-term governance from the development decision-making standpoint is limited. Once again, we do want to make sure that we're able to utilize our expertise in, in game development and of our game concepting to create a product that is enjoyable by everyone. So we're taking the reins on development decision-making for today. In the future, again, three years down the line, perhaps, uh, players that hold the governance token will then have the ability to actually alter that decision-making. And the, the real future vision of this is not to ever necessarily sell the company through say like an exit, but rather to fully decentralized the metaverse uh, so that it's entirely owned by the global population that either owns assets or has some stake in the game. In the immediate term, Polis is going to be useful for the political strategy within Star Atlas. Once again, being able to do things like impose taxes on other players, which is uh, you know, a way to generate revenue for yourself that otherwise wouldn't exist. 
That makes sense. Yeah, I, I asked that question because I would think with all the moving parts, if you just came out the gate with a community able to control every aspect, I feel like you'd have a broken game very quickly. So I think that <laughs> makes sense that you'd have to take governance through steps and there'd have to be a lot of education and time to really hand off that responsibility in an effective way. Yeah, I mean, we, we look, we all love decentralization, but consensus by committee isn't always the best approach, especially on you know, a project that is as comprehensive as this one uh, to manage all of those moving parts. Now, the other thing that I will say, which is not necessarily a, a governance question, but just from a um, kind of community uh, driven feature request standpoint is we do actively accept feature requests and proposals from people within the community. Uh, and we discuss every one of those uh, proposals internally to determine if it's a you know solid approach. So um, even if it's not necessarily from like, you get to make the decision. I do want the community to be aware of the fact that we actually listen and we do incorporate that feedback um, as part of the, the development cycle and pipeline uh, to, to introduce gameplay features that are desirable to, to people. Are people able to do that through your Discord right now? That's exactly right. We have a, a, a feature request channel in there where everybody can drop any, any you know, request that they want or, or idea that they want. Is one of the steps you guys have to grow your community involve an airdrop? Because I thought I saw somewhere something about the first registers will get 2,500 Atlas. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, we did that. Um, th that was really right at the beginning of January, along with our announcements, uh, you know, uh, our debut to the public, if you will, uh, informing people that we exist. So the, the those those uh, free Atlas flu. Uh, we, it, we opened it up to 15,000 registrations. Uh, we actually got something like 80,000 registrations. And uh, of that, probably 75% were fake entries. And we were able to scrub that data and kind of um, authenticate the real participants and subscribers from those that are not real subscribers. And then beyond that, there is a, a bit of a, we've in, we're introducing a mechanism wherein the, the player, the, the person who is rewarded with that airdrop actually has to create an, an account in the game. And so uh, if there are people that were just after free tokens that didn't actually intend to play, uh, there, we're, we have enough steps in between of verification that they probably won't ever claim them. And then we can run another promotion in the future. But in the meantime, one of the things that we're doing right now on Twitter is a giveaway of uh, one of our NFTs. It's, it's uh, Pierce X4, Pierce is the manufacturer. Um, and X4 is the, is the ship model. I was going to ask about that too, because I saw that, I think probably about a week ago. Does that sound about right? That's right. And, and we're, we're running this for 14 days. We're actually running it up to uh, the launch of, of Rebirth, the digital art collection. So what, where did you get the name Star Atlas and what exactly does that refer to? Yeah, I love that question. And it's, it's really a couple of things. Um, so, you know, first and foremost, uh, Atlas is, is a Titan, right? It's an ancient Titan who was kind of like tasked with, with holding up the, the, the weight of the, the universe, really. Um, uh, you know, so just that concept alone was attractive to me. I also am, am a, kind of a, fa a fan of Ayn Rand and Atlas Shrugged and the whole concept behind that. But um, the, the third component is, you know, Atlas also references uh, essentially a collection of maps. Mm -hmm. And so Star Atlas, collection of maps, but I, but I really like uh, kind of um, 
double entendre and alliteration use in company names. Tokes platform was our original company. Tokes is a you know digital currency that's dedicated to the cannabis industry. And that was also multi-meaning, you know, tokes, yeah. either taking a token of cannabis or uh, spending your tokens. Yeah. Right. And so Atlas ha has all of these multiple meanings kind of underlying it. And yeah, I, we also were able to secure the star Atlas domain and that really locked it in for us. How much of uh, the project will involve player customization? And I ask about this because you notice with NFTs, you know, you had the, the punks and then there was a project that even recently came out and it was like punk bodies or something like that. But basically if you had a punk, they'd airdrop a body to you and you could customize them and all these different things. And you have games that have come out recently like Cyberpunk 2077 where player customization is a huge part of it. I mean, their game was like wrecked all the things they tried to fit into one game on launch. Um, just how, how, how big they were trying to make this game. I'm just curious, um, is that a part of the gamification at all? and the storytelling, um, how your player, player looks or how you represent your identity in the context of the game? The, the, the feature set will be available um, to the extent that like player created or player contributed content exists um, in the early days, it's, it's going to be limited uh, with the exception of being able to you know, customize skins, which will also be NFTs, uh, you know, allowing for clans to customize their own guild logo and have that recorded on chain. So somebody else can't record the exact same logo or use the same banner. Um, you know, that will, that will be accessible. Uh, skin uh, decals and naming of ships, things like that will be customizable. Um, but, you know, aside from that point, your uh, comment around people creating CryptoPunk bodies or crypto bodies, that's what I love about the, the crypto community is like we're not going to be going out and restricting any behavior from anyone that wants to integrate with Star Atlas in any way, um, nor could we for that matter, but we, we encourage it. So um, one of the other things that we're doing with our minigame concept uh, by way of example is introducing Star Atlas Arcade and other developers that want to build out whatever version of game concept they want, but integrate Star Atlas assets into it and create their own monetization strategy around it. Um, we're going to host that DAP on our site so that people can find access to it. So they'll have access to our core mini game that's developed by us, but then this whole arcade of various titles um, created by independent uh, developers that uh, incorporate Starless assets. That's really cool. And see, that's that to me is what could be truly groundbreaking about this, not even just as a, a crypto product, but as a video game is you don't, you don't see that in video games a lot. You know, once a product is re released, whether it's good, whether it's bad, um, the ability to mod it isn't always there. And if you do mod it, then, you know, it's not supported, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So if crypto could come out, this idea of decentralization, you know, and make that relevant to the masses through a video game that allows you, well, maybe not to completely customize it, obviously, in the beginning, you guys have a you know, a lot you're trying to do with this project, but to have some utility where people could create their own content and integrate that into the project to some degree, um, that to me is just another way to, to bring the benefits of this technology to the masses through something they understand and already like, video games. You know, I, I think that's why NFTs have been successful is the same reason. It's, it's finally translating crypto, something that, that people understand and use in day-to-day -day life. Could, could not agree more. I mean, that's, yeah, one of the, the, the key 
items that we were considering was that, you know, through the development, especially of a quality of game that, that we're proposing here, you know, through the development of a game concept like this, we can really attract people from all over the world into cryptocurrency that otherwise maybe would have no interest in it. You know, and we do it in a subtle way and in a, in a way that can actually educate them and entertain them at the same time. So I think that's a super compelling use case, but I also think that one of the primary advantages of having all of your game assets live on chain is that lateral movement across game environments. And so, you know, obviously that can't happen just automatically, but to the extent that somebody else wants to um, recognize NFTs from Star Atlas in their metaverse or vice versa, um, the potential exists. And I think one of the, probably the core ways that we'll see this roll out is through like avatars, right? So fully customized avatars. And instead of creating a new avatar in every uh, game environment that you enter into, you can have a unified avatar that travels through all of them. And sure, the appearance might change, but it's still your player. And you could even like continuously um, track some form of XP that exists experience, like that exists across all of those game environments. Um, and, and so they can effectively be earning rewards in almost every game that, game that they're associated with through their unified avatar. Now, I don't, this hasn't been done before, uh, but I think once again, the potential exists when you talk about having all of these in-game assets live on chain. How about mobile compatibility? That's my last question. Yeah, um, you know, the potential is there. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the, can you guys remind me of the streaming service that people, Stadia, right? People use Stadia uh, for, for streaming. And I was watching my buddy play Cyberpunk 2077 on his phone at like 65 frames per second mm -hmm. through Stadia. It was, it was blowing my mind. And it looked like, you know, the quality was just as good as playing on a PC or playing on a console. I was really shocked. So that's an opportunity for us. The one area that we're focusing on with mobile compatibility is, is not so much the gameplay, although we might when we get to that point, but it, it's really going to be able to like check in on your assets or check in on your yields or see, you know, see your wallet balances, things like that. Um, maybe if you, you have an operation going like a, a mining rig running and it completes a process that needs to be reinitiated, you can go into your phone and you can reinitiate the process, right? So features like that are what we're focused on for now. But I think by the time we get to, um, you know, full production on this game, it's the access to AAA gaming on mobile is probably going to be considerably better. Excellent. And that makes sense too, because, you know, for, for one, it's a game, you know, people will want to bring it anywhere with time, but also it's, it's a feature that just looking at like DeFi, having a mobile component to it can be really beneficial and necessary depending on certain markets. I think it was, is it Harvest Finance? But there, they actually took the time to create an app for mobile, uh, essentially because they had um, a lot of their audience was from China and they're big mobile users. So yeah. being able to do DeFi on their phone is really important. So when you take that, combine it with gaming, it seems like in the long term, mobile would be a really big thing, but you know, obviously there'd be hurdles to getting that to work probably, um, you know, perfectly and still have all the streaming look the way you want it to. But I think that would be really neat if that, that would be something that would be possible down the line. Well, it's a really good point. And probably, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to take note of this. I think it's something uh, worth considering a bit more internally because 
we really do believe in the economical impact that we can make through the, the metaverse economy in that um, you guys are probably familiar with Yield Guild Games. They're based out of the Philippines and through this clan system, they're helping to uplift people within their local community um, that, uh, to be able to actually earn income and revenue through the various blockchain games that they're playing in. Um, and, and the income is actually higher than if they were to work a job in the local economy, right? Because, oh. you know, because of standards of living in these various countries. And so, you know, Star Atlas could present a tremendous opportunity for people in developing nations, um, and, but they won't necessarily have access to, you know, a $3,000 PC that they can play the game with. So just, just on that point, I, I can't remember what it was, but I saw something recently and they were talking about how, you know, a lot of people think crypto adoption can't happen because what are you going to do in, you know, third world countries where they don't have internet? And it's like, you don't realize that those people have cell phones. In exactly. fact, like they'll take the time to put in cell phone towers and get people hooked up with internet before they deal with anything else a lot of times, because that's a quick way to get everybody like communicating with each other. So you'll go to these third world countries and uh, maybe they don't have a lot, but they'll have cell phone technology and they'll be able to play mobile games and do things on their mobile devices. So it's, it's amazing how big of a feature and how important it's become and how it translates everywhere. And it's very helpful because people already possess the hardware, right? Which is what you're describing. They right. have the hardware as long as they can access um, access the game. We did have this really other crazy idea uh, <laughs> that I, that I don't know that will come to fruition. But you know, based on the revenue potential of the game, we could, in theory, essentially airdrop Raspberry Pi PCs to people that would um, either connect to to a streaming service like Stadia. Or otherwise allow them to to access the game now you know i don't know what the display would be but you know we can almost for the cost of raspberry Pi's, we can almost just airdrop those literally and physically on people all over the world and allow them access so this is just like way out there thinking stuff brainstorming but um you know we have thought about how to broaden the ability the, the accessibility to the game is this game something that's going to be free? Is it going to be something like, you know, Decentraland where you can join for free, but then like you got to pay for stuff or how does that work? And in that same vein, how are you going to monetize something like this to keep the game going? Sure. Um, so I guess I would say the metaverse will be free, um, which is to say you can create a character and you can run around in the, the virtual environments and interact with people that's free. If you want to fly around in a spaceship, you'll have to buy the spaceship, you know, but we're going to have prices that the, the Pierce uh, X4, for example, the one that we're giving away right now, price tag on that is probably five to $10, right? Um, our starter ships are probably going to be between 10 and $20. So still accessible. Okay. Um, and if you're a grinder, you can still start with a small asset, earn money over time, and then use that to upgrade to bigger and bigger assets. Um, same thing with the land. The only way that you can own land is to either purchase it or in the example that I provided previously, uh, somebody that actually owns land but doesn't want to develop it, they can rent that out to someone. I mean, we could, we could literally see you know, like long-term leases on land within Star Atlas where the player who's, who's leasing it gets to build it out and earn money off of it. Uh, meanwhile, the player who owns it just um, takes some rent uh, off of that activity. So those are a couple of a ways. Um, and then in terms of how we, how we monetize this is, you know, first and foremost, we are 
conducting a, a, our token sale, uh, which consists of the two crypto native game assets. Um, and then we really have a perpetual revenue stream off of the NFT asset issuance over time. Um, now we are carefully um, balancing out the economic equation to ensure that we're not just constantly releasing new assets and, and inflating away any of the value. Um, so they are all finite supply, but also as the user base grows, we can expand into new territories of space, right? So if like it starts to get overpopulated, we expand it out, we open up another planet, and then we can sell some land from that planet. So we really see a, a consistent revenue stream potential off of NFT sales over time, as well as through um, uh, secondary market transactions on all of these NFT assets. You know, a small you know, fraction of the transaction fee can be remitted to us. Um, as the issuer of the assets, much like the case of many other NFT asset sales. So you mentioned token sales. Are those available right now to invest in in some way? They are not. Um, uh, we, we had an early private sale in January that went quite quickly. Um, so the next major event for us where tokens will become available is our TGE, and that is associated with our mini game launch, which is an in-browser experience um, with a projected date of July 24th but we will be hosting our TGE across a couple of different launch pads as well as a major exchange. Um, uh, and so you can purchase tokens and you'll also be able, that'll be the initial phase where people can actually buy the in-game NFT assets like land and ships. Okay. So uh, where would everyone like, is somebody going to just generate on the same planet when they join or are they going to have different planets that people randomly generate on or how's that going to work? Yeah, yeah, great question. So we, we actually, in the browser, um, we do have 3D elements uh, that we're developing out through 3JS. So there is going to be a, a tab uh, that is the Star Atlas, which is the map of the universe. Now, not everything will be viewable to every player, by the way, not, not at inception. That's actually one of the categories of, of gameplay. One of the gameplay pillars is, uh, is data discovery, data runners. So, so you know, if you want to just fly around space and explore new space, you will generate a map of space over time that becomes a data file that you can then turn around and sell to other people if, you know, if you want to do that. And then they'll be able to see all of the areas that were previously explored by purchasing your map. I had a question about network too, um, a couple questions. So maybe you're kind of addressing this, but it, is it going to work like, you know, you play Call of Duty or you play these different games and there can only be so many people on a map at one time? Are there going to be different servers like that? Or is everyone going to be loading on the same thing since the blockchain? I mean, I just wonder because of the graphical component and bandwidth to that, is, is there going to need to be like subsets of different servers for different things or how does that work? From, yeah, from the infrastructure standpoint on, um, on the minigame launch, it's all going to live on one server because it's not really graphically intensive. It, it's really a question that we'll be able to answer better when we get closer to the Unreal Engine version of the game, the fully immersive version of the game, uh, you know, which we really have a, a projected date on a pre-alpha release of a very limited module that we're calling a shipyard module. Um, uh, in July of 2022, but most likely, you know, once you start getting too many people, particularly in VR in any one region, then you're going to need some uh, synchronicity with uh, additional servers. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a great answer for you on that one today, but essentially we expect that, yeah, there will be uh, probably multiple servers. 
No, that's that's helpful. And the other, uh, the only other question I had is just about Solana itself. Um, we probably have an audience, you know, ETH maxis, B, uh, BTC maxis. Uh, so Solana might be a new network for some of the people in our audience. Without going too much into the weeds, can you just maybe describe a little bit about the user experience getting onto that chain if someone is new to it before getting into the game? Absolutely. I, I actually appreciate the question. The um, There is a, a tool set that's called Wormhole uh, that was developed by the Solana team uh, that allows for the porting of assets from Ethereum over to Solana. Uh, it supports both ERC-20 as well as ERC-721, so NFT uh, standards. Um, <clears throat> so if you want to move over to Solana, it's really quite simple through Wormhole to do so. Um, the user experience is, is uh, I, I wanna be transparent here. I think it's a, probably a seven to eight right now out of 10. Uh, there's still a lot of early development going on. And, and as I mentioned, you know, we essentially went from call it 30 projects to maybe 125 to 150 today over the course of you know, four months. But um, so a lot of these projects are really early in development, but everything's progressing quite nicely. So uh, Solana is definitely superior in speed and in cost right now. And as you can tell, they have 753 global validators. So it is pretty well decentralized at this stage. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, they're super helpful with new projects that are building. So if you're a developer and you're looking for an ecosystem to build in, I would highly recommend Solana just because honestly, the amount of support that we've gotten from them from capital to uh, marketing, uh, to development resources and documentation, it's, it's all been top tier. So I, I definitely believe that Solana will be one of the, um, you know, major layer one protocols as we go forward. Excellent. Yeah, I had uh, another question. So in the white paper, it said something about mining in Star Atlas. And I was wondering if this refers to like the physical act of mining. Like uh, there's a game recently that came out called Cometh. I don't know if you've heard about that, where you can actually go mine asteroids. I have. And, yeah. So is it going to be like a similar thing like that where you're mining and also mining currency at the same time? Is that what you're referencing? Yeah. Well, so in our game, I mean, it, it is mining of ore uh, resources from these planets. Okay. Um, in fact, I believe on our uh, Twitter, if you, it was either Twitter or Telegram, we just posted um, a, a, a sky view of one of these mining facilities. Um and they are, you know, they're massive. Like you, you can view the towers, the mining towers and the drills from space. Um, you might even be able to see it in that image that you're looking at, uh, that you just scrolled over if you zoom in on that. Which one? Uh, sorry, yeah, a little bit lower. That one? That one, yeah. So you can actually see some of the mining equipment um, in, in kind of the dark areas of the screen on, on both the lower right and then the kind of mid left, but mm -hmm. Um, so those big towers are actual mining equipment and what you're doing in Star Atlas is mining ore and uh, this ore then can be refined and further refined to alloys and metals and actually refined to input materials that would go into creation of ships um, and then you can mint if you collect enough of the materials you can actually mint the NFT itself so um, yeah it's mining of ore which is ultimately refined now the alternative is to mine that ore and then just immediately sell it on the market, which will pay the user out in Atlas. 
you go to different planets and look for resources, kind of like No Man's Sky? Yeah, you can. There's, um, and in fact, each of the, so there's three factions in the game, uh, essentially a human race, an alien race, and then an android race. Um, and depending on which faction you select, there are higher densities of various ores and minerals in, in the regions in which those um, factions exist. So yeah, there's definitely a, a strategy element of determining where you want to go. I don't think we touched on this, but um, there, there is a really compelling, in my opinion, hardcore gameplay mechanic within Star Atlas. Um, and that's through our concept of security zones. Um, so you actually land in the universe at a space station that's low risk or no risk zone where it's like safe to fly around and you can't be attacked in PVP. Um, there's a medium risk zone where the rewards get better, but you can be attacked and killed by other players. However, you respawn. Does that mean being liquidated if you're killed or is that just something else? Uh, not in the medium risk zone, but when you get into the high risk zone or deep space uh, where there's no security patrols and it's just like absolute anarchy. Uh, if you lose an engagement with another player, your NFT does get destroyed and burned off chain. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and the other player gets to recapture or salvage some of the components um, or modules, or in some cases, even like the, the hull of the ship that they can repair and um, capture your, your ship. So it's very much high stakes, it's high risk, but the rewards out in deep space are the highest one uh, from a pure um, uh, formula standpoint, but also some of the materials that you need to create the best assets in the game only exist in deep space. So it will be necessary to go out there if you want to craft the best assets in, in Star Atlas, but you know, you, you're going to have to be watching your back the entire time. Yeah, I had one other question, and this kind of relates to um, something that you sometimes find with NFTs, but it's also something that was in No Man's Sky, uh, strangely, but um, the idea of randomly generated elements, um, yep. that was like a huge selling point to No Man's Sky. You go out into space and literally like the planet, the creatures, all these things are randomly being generated. So it's like it's a new experience every time. And you see kind of an interest with that. Also with, with some NFTs that are randomly created, you know, art pieces that are randomly generated or AI generated art. Um, do you see that type of um, design or animation or, or NFTs or anything being uh, playing a role in the game at any point in the future? We definitely do. I mean, the, the ambition is to be a procedurally generated infinite universe. Um, so essentially, like if you see a star in the background, you can click on that star and you can travel to it. And it might take you, you know, an incredibly long time to get there. But if it's on the screen, you can travel to it. Um, now, you know, what's a little bit the, the challenge that we have with a procedurally generated universe coupled with a decentralized tokenomic model is that we need to understand where all the resources reside so that we can manage the inflation schedule against it. Um, so that's a challenge and an obstacle that we have yet to really uh, fully come to a conclusion on, but, but that is the direction that we'd like to go is this procedurally generated universe with um, really infinite orders. That, that's it for my questions on Star Atlas. Uh, did you have anything else, Robin? Yeah, I just said two more. So you said that there had been a pre-signup process to gain early access to the tokens. Um, is there anywhere people can sign up right now or was that just for early adopters? That, that, that was just a, a program that ran for about two weeks. Um, we, I would still encourage 
users to sign up to our newsletter um, so that they can stay informed of all of the latest developments, as well as things like our you know, poster series. And then um, you know, a lot of people are asking us when the token generation event will take place and when they can buy tokens. So um, signing up to the newsletter, which should be on the um, homepage, I believe. Uh, and um, you know, that, that will, yeah, right there. So that will allow people to be uh, up to speed with the latest information. I would still encourage doing that. And we will be doing promotions and events and, and different things going into the future. So uh, don't feel like if you missed the first uh, token drop, you're, you completely missed out. There's going to be plenty of opportunities in the future. Gotcha. And then, yeah, my final question is, um, where are you in development basically at this point? Do you have an estimated release date or anything like that scheduled? Yeah, our, so our development roadmap is to um, first launch this Rebirth uh, NFT collection. That's April 24th. Uh, as I said, that, that will be one meta poster unveiled each week for 14 weeks. Uh, that leads us up to July uh, 24th with the intended launch of our in-browser minigame. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, this is where the Star Atlas map will be, where you can kind of um, fully immerse yourself in this 3D in-browser environment and see where you can make land claims. Um, you can see where your, your friends or your clan or, or guild members are purchasing land. Um, and then you can engage in things like mining, um, uh, uh, space station construction, as well as a ship configuration module. So it's um, I, I don't want to say it's like a limited feature set. It, it's a pretty robust feature set. What it doesn't include is full three-dimensional space exploration in your ship, um, but it also introduces the ability to monetize assets immediately. Uh, so you can start earning yield on the DeFi pools and you can start earning revenue off of gameplay mechanics. Awesome. Um, concurrently, we're, we're actually onboarding right now uh, Unreal Engine developers so that we can begin our work um, building out the metaverse itself and the fully immersive um, experience. But as I said, we, we have the advantage of all of the concept artists and modelers and you know, VFX animation teams, uh, essentially all the guys that are on the design team right now, the assets that they're creating will be deployable and usable um, in, in the Unreal Engine version of the game. So uh, it gives us the benefit, the advantage of presenting really beautiful art and assets that people can purchase and use in the browser experience but we'll also translate over to the, the, the fully immersive version. Gotcha. And when do you think you'll actually have the fully immersive version released? The, the earliest date on a pre-alpha release of an extremely limited edition module would be July of next year. But, you know, as you guys probably know, games of this caliber take many years. Um, you know, Star Citizen is, is perhaps one of our closest competitors and, they've been in alpha for seven years, you know, trying to develop wow. a similar concept without all of the economic elements. So um, we, we anticipate building this for a long time and it's something that we're committed to. And, but the idea is to continuously release content over time that people can engage with so they don't get bored um, and, and continue to build out the best possible product. Yeah, I had a question about that. So in terms of uh, community development, um, what other people are you looking for to join the team? Uh, yeah, mo I mean, most of our hiring efforts right now are, are largely going to be on the development side of, of the business. Um, we are looking to um, onboard a couple of more full stack engineers as well as blockchain engineers uh, to help us uh, continue to maintain the mini game as we work on the full 
uh, fully immersive version of the game. At some point, Danny will start to look at, um, you know, like 3D modelers. Right now we're largely working with concept artists. And, uh, and again, we, we wanna get some early development effort in the engine itself. And so we're looking to onboard uh, UE. So otherwise we, we really just scaled up our marketing and communications team and we're in a pretty good spot there. Um, I personally will be looking for, uh, I, I have my eyes on a couple of video game economists that will help us um, uh, ensure that we're modeling everything out appropriately and creating that sustainable economy. Uh, but we're, we're also working with, um, I think I can share this, we're working with Delphi Digital on part of the tokenomics modeling as well as game economic modeling for now. Uh, but we'll have a full economics team within the company in short order uh, to ensure that we're delivering the best economic experience as well. Awesome. Well, yeah, I think that's the end of my questions. Yeah, I just um, wanted to ask you a little bit about some of your other um, DeFi involvement. I guess starting with games and such in the space uh, or virtual reality, anything kind of crossing this entertainment space with blockchain. Uh, I know Somnium Space is one. They, that you're able to showcase NFTs and like a virtual reality art gallery type uh, setting. Are there any projects like that that have your interest uh, outside Star Atlas or any that you're, um, that you guys are also looking to for inspiration or just, just interested in, in general? Yeah, I, you know, the, the building a company is a lot of uh, fun, but it's also a lot of stress and it's very time consuming. And um, so the unfortunate reality is I've, I've really had to separate myself from pretty much everything that's going on externally, unless it's somehow immediately connected to Star Atlas. Um, right. I just haven't had the time to look into it. So um, I don't have any good feedback there. Um, the one thing that I would potentially say that's, that's kind of DeFi related and is associated with uh, Star Atlas right now is a relationship that we have with Uniquely, uh, which is an NFT fractionalization platform. Uh, and, and so NF, uh, Star Atlas assets are pre-approved on Uniquely. And the idea is as we uh, release the poster series, a, a single collector that collects all 14 posters can then um, place those in a portfolio on Uniquely and then sell fractional shares of that to people who weren't able to purchase the entire set. Uh, and so, you know, to, to me, that's a really uh, compelling platform and, and great way for someone to um, not only make a direct investment into a collection, but also be able to monetize that and give exposure to a broader, broader audience. Oh, that's excellent. Great. Yeah, I think, I think that's it for me too. Um, I guess we'll wrap up. Just uh, how will people contact you? Anything else you'd like to share before we wrap? No, I love it, guys. I think you covered every single talking point that I've ever rehearsed in, in my life. So um, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> great, great coverage. Uh, great coverage of the game. A lot of great questions. Um, you know, uh, definitely follow us at Star Atlas. You can find access to all of our other social media channels just through our website, staratlas.com. That's probably the easiest way. And then um, my personal Twitter is um, it's the at symbol and then at AT underscore M Wagner. Uh, so we'd love a follow if, if you guys are interested in keeping up on our updates. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll do. Okay. Right. Awesome talking with you and I hope to do it again soon. Likewise, guys. Really appreciate the time. Yep. Have a good awesome. one. Thanks a lot. All right. You too.